Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Justin Wells, uh, beat reporter and analyst for InsideTexas.com, as well as Ian Boyd, X's and O's analyst uh, for InsideTexas.com as well. Thank you guys for joining us on this Friday before uh, the Alabama game. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat, rat race uh, with two weeks, just two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call or Andy or email at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He takes you through a process uh, and gets you detailed questionnaires about the, the type of business you might want to run uh, if you're interested. Okay. Justin and and uh, Justin and Ian, I, I've got to start uh, big brouhaha on in, Inside Texas uh, in, on the message boards about the uh, score predictions uh, coming up. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what kind of personnel uh, we think we might see from the Longhorns on offense and any tweaks uh, we think we might see on defense, uh, as well as the recruiting impact and any late-breaking news. We just put out the humidor earlier today on InsideTexas.com as well. Uh Justin, I want to start with your score prediction uh, first, and then uh, after we do all this stuff, we're also going to take questions. Uh, would love to hear your score predictions from the fans as well as we go through this. Justin, go for it, bud. Yeah, I went with, uh, you know, obviously I think Alabama's going to win. Um, I think they're going to cover. Uh, I believe the line was 20 and a half this morning. I have to look at it again. Uh, I'm going to post it in our primer here in, in just a little bit. But I've got Alabama 52, Texas 20, and uh, it's it's pretty simple. I think Bryce Young is going to score. I think he's going to produce. I, I think Texas can, can you know, I think the defense can stay in this, but they're, they're really going to have to stop the run, and they're really going to have to stop Bryce Young. And so I, I just feel like, you know, their team is actually better. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways on offense, when you look up there, it was surprising when I, I saw that their pass blocking last year was like 75th in the country uh, on their offensive line, which I found, you know, real surprising. And that's something Saban harped on in the offseason about getting better. So you had a line that with that and Bryce Young still won the Heisman. And now he's got, a you know, a new tailback, a couple new tailbacks behind him. He's got a few new receivers. I believe uh, they're tied in. Cameron Tattoo's coming back. He'll be ready for this game uh, tomorrow as well. I just think Bryce Young outscores Quinn Ewers. Now, I think Quinn Ewers and those guys, I think they, they catch a little fire. I, I do think that they have the potential to put some points on the board, and I think the, their offensive game plan is going to allow that. But just too much, man. It, it's the year before the year, like our boy Easy e says. And I, I just I, I think it, it, it can be close for the first half, but I just think Alabama's too big, too strong, and too damn deep to keep this thing covered. Yep. All right. Ian, what are your thoughts on this game tomorrow? Well, you know, I watched a lot of that Utah State game and actually came out of it feeling more bullish on Alabama this season, but more bearish on them just blowing Texas away and covering a 20-point spread. Um, I thought all offseason with all those NFL receivers and tackles moving on that Alabama would get back to just running the ball with Jameer Gibbs this season. and play defense and run the ball on their way to the SEC championship. But uh, Bill O'Brien is not wasting years with Bryce Young on campus. They are all in on throwing the ball around all day. 
And uh, as we saw with Quinn Ewers in his opening start, it can take a little while to get the passing game totally in sync. Like if you're going to play a pass-heavy team, week two is the is the time to play them. They gotta they gotta get all the timing right and their their route patterns. The quarterback's gotta make sure he's seeing what he thinks he's seeing. The offensive line is probably one of their bigger question marks. They gotta get all their protections lined up. I think there's a chance Texas can sit back in coverage, uh, prevent Bryce Young from just lighting him up with the pass, forcing some drives, and hanging around. Um, I don't think Texas is going to beat them. I think an Alabama blowout is is possible. But t- to me, they're catching them at the right time. And if they can have, you know, the right kind of game, I don't see why it couldn't be entertaining for three quarters, you know. Yeah, I, I, I have questions around uh, around uh, Texas's ability to really just stay in the game. Um, Alabama's defense is as good as Texas is going to face this year. Um they were stymied at times by uh, Baylor a year ago. They went through long droughts during halves of games. Uh, they've got two freshman offensive linemen starting this year, a freshman quarterback. Um, and so my my take isn't so much that Texas isn't going to look better, particularly on defense. I just think that Texas may end up holding Alabama's offense to 35, 38 points, yet gives up two scores, whether it's a pick six or a, a big play in the, the punt return game uh, if Daniel Trejo ends up being the punter because I think his low-trajectory punt's not going to work when, whenever you're backed up on your own goal line uh, real well and have to get the ball out quick. So I, I went with Alabama at 52, Texas 7. Boy, I got some I got some hell for that <laughs> on Inside Texas. Yes, direct all hate mail. To, that's great. great. Job, up my Twitter right up. Matt, our producer's having some fun here. Um, but – you know, the thing I, I think that people got to realize, I think Ap- Alabama tackles different than some guys that, that play in the, the Big 12. Um, I really do. They just they got more dudes. Uh, and so we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I can see Texas playing hard. Uh, that's really what I want to see out of all of this, guys. Um, I want to see Texas play through the whistle. Uh, I want them to try to, to uh, really go at it and give it everything they've got and play smart and play together all four quarters, regardless of what the score is. Alabama has beaten better teams than Texas with worse scores. I mean, let's just be clear. They they can route people when they get going. Um, at the same time, uh, you don't want to see it because I can't imagine the mood inside DK, DKR will be very happy at that point in time, uh, and some people are going to be uh, upset with Steve Sarkeesian, et cetera. But, you know, college football is college football. you gotta, you got to call it the way you see it. Um, you know, and I want to go to you first uh, and talk about personnel uh, because I want to talk a, a little bit about what you think Texas will play a little bit more of on offense in particular in this game. Well, there's kind of there's kind of two routes they could go here, and, and maybe they'll try both. One would be to get a little bigger, uh, maybe play Karik some as the as the jumbo tight end, play maybe with three tight ends at times, get Gunnar Helm on the field, and just kind of try to run at Alabama's edges. You know, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, absolute freaks, major problems. Um, but, you know, 240, 245 pounds, they're good run defenders, but they're not the kind of guys that are, you know, they're, they belong in space and on the edge. So you might want to try to not let them play in space on the edge to the extent you can. Um, 
the other the other route though is to is to spread them out except that you're going to get beat on the edge some but just get the ball out fast lots of quick passes lots of runs um try to take the hand the ball out of Quinn's hands to the extent you can and just you know get the ball in space try to run a lot of plays hope that the heat helps you out some wears down their defenses a little bit it's hard to wear out Alabama they have a lot of depth but um, they don't have they have a Will Anderson and a Dallas Turner but they don't have multiple Will Andersons and Dallas Turners that, that I know of you, those two at least uh, there's some drop off if you can tire them out a little bit so yep. I think Confuse those guys, try to tire them out, hang around, give yourself a chance late in the game to run the ball, Bijan. Hey, I, I want to mention something, then, Justin, I want to get to you. Uh, I was texting with Brian Irwin, Coach Irwin, uh, earlier this week, yesterday and uh, day before, um, and he had some interesting things to say I want to go over. The, as it relates to uh, the uh, uh, Alabama game, uh, he had some interesting thoughts. He, he thinks that Quinn, first of all, did some really nice things in the pocket of escaping the first rusher. The only wrong escape he thought he made the entire game was on the very first series, right? Where he, he rolled right when he didn't need to. Every other escape in the pocket that Quinn made, Coach Irwin said was a good one. So he's not escaping into trouble. He's escaping into space. Brian's problem, Brian's thinking is the problem with that again against Alabama is they don't stay blocked like other people. And so you're going to be escaping you're going to escape one get into one gap only to find another guy right, right there waiting for you time after time. He said he was worried about that and therefore worried about how Texas would look. Uh, he also uh, had this and as it relates to scheme and it hits a little bit on what you just said, um, Ian, he said, have a feeling we will be running jet sweeps and throwing bubbles and hitches for a quarter just to slow down their rush. Fair. Do you think that's fair? I definitely think so. Is that for, for Justin or for me? Uh, it's for I, you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think they have to do that. We saw also in ULM, I think they tried to be aggressive early and Quinn got a little spooked, I think, when the safety showed up in the path of his throw, you know, immediately throws an interception. I think they would like to, to build some confidence for Quinn in this game and help him get his feet wet. So, you know, two birds with one stone. I think Coach Irwin is right that that, makes sense as an approach. I also think it makes sense to help Quinn Ewers settle down a little bit. And, you know, by the end of the game, he was throwing that, you know, he was, he's moving forward and flicking the ball 20 yards down the field up the seam to Jatavian Sanders. You want to try to get to that Quinn as quickly as you can in this game, the one that's, you know, gripping and ripping it. Uh, this is what, before I go to you, Justin, this is the follow-up to what uh, Coach Irwin said. We need to score at least 10 points in the first half to keep us in the game. Yeah. I could see 17-10 at half, then go fight it out in the second. Justin, what, what are your thoughts on uh, schematic things that you think we'll see uh, from Texas that might make a little, little bit of a difference in, in tomorrow's game? You know, I, I echo a lot of what Coach Irwin said. Actually, Ian and I had, had texted back and forth about this quite a bit last night. I think it's going to be a quick game. I think you're going to see Bijan moving around, actually. I think you're going to see him – in some in some 21 personnel and where he motions out in the flat, I think you're going to see him lining up in the slot. I think you're going to see a lot of quick get the ball out because, you know, those when they run at 12, you want to make sure those tight ends are going to kind of be there to chip those tackles because I feel like I feel like Banks and Jones are going to need some help. 
And, and for, for Quinn to get in that quick momentum, to get in that, that, you know, that pace that he wants to get into that, 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 you know, he wants to, he, it's going to have to be quick. He's going to have to get the ball out quickly. Now that'll all set up the play action game down the road, you know, throughout the game, if they can maintain, you know, staying within, within their bounds, but it's going to be a quick game. It's going to be, I think what you're going to see is guys moving around a lot, like an Xavier Worthy, and they're going to try to find a mismatch for him. It's going to be similar to what Sark did with with those four amigos he had a few years ago with Ruggs, Waddell, uh, Devontae Smith, and Jerry Judy. He's simply going to find little mismatches. If he can get the third corner or, or, or the nickel on on Xavier Worthy, he's going to do it. Jatavian Sanders is, is a mismatch in, in, in some of these in some of these uh, plays, and so I think they're going to look for him as well. Maybe even Gunnar Helm as well. But it's got to be a quick game, not just to get Quinn settled down and settled in, but I actually think that actually helps Texas because if you can spread those guys out, it's least likely you know Anderson and Turner barreling down off the edge, pinning their ears back, just just. just constantly coming at Quinn you want to make those guys do other things you want to make those guys other you know factor into other parts of it so it doesn't put it all on Quinn Ewers because Quinn's the second game we, we talked about this a couple days ago you know the last time number one came into to Texas it was Ohio State in 2006 and Joe Cook and I were there and that was Colt McCoy's second game ever and there were some similarities there because that Ohio State defense was really good. Troy Smith won the Heisman Trophy that year. And so there, there, there's some similarities to that. And the, the quick game and, and basically just taking the pressure off of Quinn is huge because Bijan can handle it. I really do think Bijan can handle, uh, you know, 12 carries and then maybe five or six catches and then, you know, see where they're at uh, in the second half and, and be able to throw hands. So to me, get the ball out quick and often. Coach Irwin basically echoed it, you know, bubble screens, little jet sweep, anything, little hitch, anything to get guys spread it out and to utilize Anderson and Turner coming in waves. To that point also, if if Alabama's defense has a weak spot, which they may or may not, it'd probably be inside linebacker. And so making those guys chase guys down in space or then coming back and trying to spread them out so you can get downhill on them in the run game, that's that's the ticket. Is that that's it? Jalen Moody, Henry uh, T.O. If I got that right, I don't know. Uh, you gotta you gotta make the game. If you want the the expression early to be boy, Alabama's linebackers are having trouble finding the ball. Right. That's right. that'll be an indication that it's going right. I, I I would say this too, Ian. One more thing for you is that you, when you talked to Clint Lamb at Bama Insider this past week um, for that, uh, that video, or excuse me, when Tommy Yarish did, uh, one of the things that uh, Tommy uh, and, and uh, Clint talked about was Alabama's ability to cover with its linebackers, not the best coverage guys uh, out there. They're more the pro- prototypical SEC linebackers that are yeah. built to, to try to play the run. So when Justin starts talking about uh, the ability of getting Bijan out in space, that, that's what really where the game could get interesting if Texas can find a way to have enough time to do all of that. Uh, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the reality. Uh, Justin, I'm going to let you take this one. Any news on Ajay Hall? Uh, I know in the humidor, Eric, uh, and you guys wrote uh, that he had practiced with the team this week uh, and is expected to play. Uh, give uh, give uh, us the latest on – give Sean the latest on that. 
Yes, Ajay Hall was at uh, practiced all week. Uh, did and did well from from what I was told by sources. Um, he was running at the at the Z spot uh, mainly with the twos. I believe it was it was it was him behind. Um, obviously worthy, but you know him and Milton and a couple and I believe it was Sulcer, maybe a couple other guys. But Hall Hall's getting back into into the mix. You know he had just come back. You know recently for, from his suspension, and so the expectations on a Jai Hall need to be at a minimum of what he can do on Saturday. Now. He's the type of guy that could be an incredible decoy because everyone knows about his size and his speed and his ability to get vertical down the field. And, and, and it, you know, if Quinn can connect on a couple of those shots, this game changes. The dynamic of this game changes a little bit. But right now, I wouldn't expect a ton out of Hall because I think the game plan is going to be more centered around Bijan moving around, Jatavian finding a mismatch, and, and Xavier Worthy probably playing three or four <laughs> different p- positions in different alignments uh, just to find his mismatch as well. But a Jai Hall can be a factor just because of his speed and size. We know he can get behind guys. And, and I think something that might hurt Hall is Bama knows him. Bama's DBs have been going against him for over a year. They, they kind of know what they're, they're going up against. And so Hall's breakout may be a week or two away. Uh, when they face UTSA or open Big 12 play. But I do feel like he's, he's done enough in practice this week to earn some reps in the game. And, and you know, he's a he's a freak athlete, guys. If if you get him some – get the ball early and he gets some confidence, Jai Hall is the type of player that can make a difference. I just don't know how much that's going to factor into this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the same opinion. Um, look – Best the the clearest path for Texas to be ultra competitive in this game. Um, the one guy that's that that stirs the drink for Alabama is Bryce Young. Something happens to him. I think all 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 bets are off, right? Uh, because he is the guy. It is a quarter right now. It is a quarterback centric offense that Bill O'Brien is running uh, for Bama. So something happens there. All bets are off. Bobby, one quick note. One quick note on Bryce Young, just to just what you were talking about. In the past, Alabama always had the five-star running back, five-star receivers, and the five-star tight end in the Matt Jones or the A.J. McCarron or the Jacob Coker. Now they flip the script. They don't necessarily have those five-star receivers anymore. They've had to go to the portal the last two seasons just to find starters, at, be it Jamison Williams last year, Therese Harrell, and, and Jermaine Burton this year. Um, and then at tailback, you know, they've got some guys, Jamari Gibbs, Jamari and Miller, uh, Jace McClellan, all dudes, but not Derrick Henry, not Josh Jacobs. So it's it's a different dynamic with this group now. And Bryce Young is kind of the guy who's just got to distribute it. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's part of it. But that's the only one that you go, oh, wait, that that could make a difference in this game. Yeah. Uh, the tight end, uh, by the way, it, uh, came out on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, I'm sure it's been reported and if you've been following it. Cameron Latu, the, the tight end for Alabama, will be back. Saban says he's 100% go. That could be a difference in the game, too, in a positive way for Alabama because, frankly, with, with Jamison Williams and John Mechie both gone from last year, where was Bryce Young's outlet last week? He didn't really have a guy that he remembered from a year ago. Latu coming back in gives them that, that piece uh, of the puzzle. Um, a couple questions here going on uh, and want to talk about this. Uh, and then, Ian, this is for you. I want to ask you this question. Uh, did the answer, did the defense last week look like a coach P defense or no? I know what people have told me, but let's hear your answer. 
Yeah, real quick, um, on Cameron Lott, you're actually a good blocker as well. And their tight ends against Utah State that came in for him were not as good of blockers as he was. Like, they had a couple of plays where they had some issues of guys getting getting pushed around a little bit. Um, I, I first watched through the game, I was like, well, shoot, this is almost just Gary Patterson's defense. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, though, that's actually much more Kwiatkowski, so – I've settled on fusion is what I'm describing it. It's a fusion defense. They have uh, the uh, the back end. I mean, Gary Joseph is a quarters guy as well. That's what he ran at Notre Dame. But their their quarters coverages look a little more Patterson-ish. Uh, they have four down with their hands in the dirt a little more often, even though it's kind of more two, four, five personnel. Like Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, Ovia Gofu, those guys know how to drop back into coverage. So you can call it a two, four, five. But they also have their hands in the dirt a lot, so you could call it a four-two-five, right? It's a, it's a blend. But um, absolutely, there was definitely some hallmarks of Gary Patterson's approach, uh, specifically with how they're using their safeties. Um, I think that'll be very interesting to watch against Alabama. I am sure he's had a big hand in the game plan for this for this contest, and this is probably the kind of game Gary Patterson has dreamed about coordinating you know, his whole life, go up against Bill O'Brien, go up against a Heisman quarterback, go up against Nick Saban. Um, I, I'm very curious to see how that looks. I would look for it in terms of whether or not Texas's safety seem like they are where the ball is supposed to be. That would be an indication that, that Patterson is involved and that he's finding success. And, and they're finally getting what we talked about all off season was – communication going and cohesiveness and playing together as a unit, as opposed to uh, what we saw way too often of last year, which was nobody's where they're supposed to be, or one guy messes it up for the other 10, right? Um, we did not see that against you uh, against uh, ULM last week. You know, even the, the, the only uh, big play they had came in the fourth quarter against the third string D. Uh, so the only explosive play they had all night was that one. Um, and you know, I think that, that even if it's a low level NFL or at low level FCS team or FBS team, that's still a good sign, uh, for, uh, a group of guys, Justin, I want to ask you this one. Um, and that's, that's, uh, something that I, I, we, we, we touch on every so often, but even last week, it made a difference in the Texas game. I mean, Texas gets seven points to put Texas ahead seven Oh, before Quinn Ewers ever gets on the field. What impact do you see uh, on special teams this week? Is it going to be pro-Texas, pro-Alabama? You know, from the looks of it, even though Texas did uh, do a little bit of damage in the punt return game and got a blocked punt, you have to think overall Alabama probably has an edge in special teams because of kicker and punter. Yeah, I, I think from a specialist standpoint, Alabama's going to be better from a kicking and punting standpoint. From an overall grouping I don't think it's that far-fetched. I think they're pretty even across the board. Like, Texas did exactly what you have to do uh, last week to beat a, a bad team, and that's score non-offensive touchdowns. And if they, you know, if, if they're going to upset Alabama on Saturday, they're probably going to need another one of those non-offensive touchdowns. It's just the, 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 the percentage just tells you your, your, your probability of winning goes up tremendously when you get one of those. And don't think – I was a little surprised Sark – or Sark, Jeff Banks showed his hand with, with, with Jamison coming off the edge and having Keelan kind of come on the opposite side. 
to give Alabama kind of an idea of what to expect or what, what they may see. And then again, you may see uh, Jamison, you know, returning a punt or, or Xavier Worthy moving around or, or, or sending both back there. There's a lot of things you can do. Look, Jeff Banks thinks the special teams 365 days a year. He came from Alabama. He came from, from, from this system and, and, and what Nick Saban and those guys were doing. So I think Jeff kind of has a chip. I think Jeff wants to prove he was worth what he got. He was worth when he was leaving. And I think Texas, listen, if you talk to guys close to this program, they tell you special teams is the third phase of the game, and it's just as important as the other two. Banks has instilled that in these guys. They, they live for that. It, it, it's, really, it's really incredible how important and how much they emphasize it. And so, you know, a non-offensive touchdown is huge, Bobby. It's huge. And so I want to give – I think it's even past the kicking and punting, which is essentially special teams, obviously. I don't think Bama's going to miss a a field goal, whereas with Texas, don't really know. I don't think Bama's going to screw up a punt, whereas with Texas, going back and forth with Pearson and Trejo – I'm not really sure. If you factor in all the other guys that, that that make up the special teams, I think it's even. But, yeah, from a specialist standpoint, Alabama does have kind of an advantage there. And, my goodness, you would hate to lose momentum or a lead or a chance to, to really stay in the game with a blunder in the kicking game. Or get or give momentum away. Oh, quickly. Right. I mean, that's, that's they, even that, bigger that, – They'll drink that, that. That's their blood, man. They they live for that stuff. Yeah, they that, live that, for your mistakes. They're like vampires. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they really are on special teams. That's kind of the that's kind of their mo. Uh, Ian, I got something for you. I want to talk about. This is not something uh, I really saw us cover much in pregame. Uh, actually, um, how do you think they'll use Demarvian Overshone? Is it going to be uh, Overshone spying? Bryce Young, or do you think it's more likely to be some like Ovio Gufu? I think in the I think spying will be something that they mix in on third down. You don't want Bryce Young to bail them out of third down with a scramble. And so a really a tried and true defensive strategy for really good scrambling quarterbacks, if you don't feel like you can get them on the ground with the pass rush, is you rush three, you drop seven into, you know, kind of a cover two kind of deal. And then you use your extra guy that's not rushing to just sit in the middle and spy him. Um, can be very effective if the spy is, you know, can run down the quarterback. People may may or may not remember in 2020, Sam Ellinger took Texas back from like a two-touchdown deficit and forced multiple overtimes against Oklahoma a lot with the scramble. And what Oklahoma did to shut that down is finally they just started rushing three, dropping seven, and spying him with future NFL pro Nick Bonito. And that put an end to that for Texas and then the well kind of dried up. So I think that that would be something that they would be likely to mix in on third down. I'm sure Overshone would be the guy to do it because I mean, who is there better in college football to, if the job is just chase that guy down. Right. Um, and then even then I, they, I don't know if that would be their every da- every third down plan or if they might want to also mix in some pressure and see if they can maybe rattle Bryce young, although, maybe spying is the better route than trying to beat him with the blitz from what I've seen of this guy. Gotcha. All right, uh, Justin, this one's for you. Um, I'm going to, you know, stats say what they want you to, what you want them to say. Will Anderson had zero sacks against Utah state. Is that superfluous? No. 
Will Anderson didn't have any sacks against Utah State because he wasn't hungry enough. He had plenty. Listen, his pregame meal is 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 you know <laughs> is, is is scrap metal slathered in fear. And so he got his he was full against Utah State. They knew he wasn't needed. Now I've heard he hasn't eaten in a few days this week. So does it matter that Will Anderson didn't get any sacks last week? Hell no, it doesn't matter because that guy's hungry. I'm telling you, when he walks into DKR, he's bringing hell with him. And so it is it is not a factor. Will Anderson will make up for it because Will Anderson says so. Yeah, he's a great player. I mean, great no bottom line, great players going to eat when great players want to eat, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, and, and you said it best. Will Anderson will come off the edge and get you. Dallas Turner's trying to decapitate you. Yes. You think those guys are worried about sacks against Utah State? No. They, they had their pregame meal. They were full. They haven't eaten in a while, Bobby. Nick's, like, taking them off the buffet. It's not a good, not a good recipe. <laughs> All Utah right. State also – Utah State ran a classic underdog. Throw the ball within two seconds, run the ball. If you watch the game, you can find a clip where they tried to run a zone read and Will Anderson killed a man. (laughs) So, yeah. He doesn't – I like that by Bruno. Bruno had a good one. Will Anderson doesn't sleep. He waits. Like, Nick knows how to motivate those guys. The last two practices, they didn't give Will Anderson a juice box. You know how pissed off he is? Lord help Kelvin Banks. Hey. Um, all right, this uh, live stream, Longhorn live stream, is brought to you by Andy Ludicky uh, over at uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to, to diversify? Uh, a lot of people have their hands in a lot of different businesses. Uh, maybe you want to get some more going for yourself. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I went through it myself. Uh, to try to see if I would fit with any franchises. Uh, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Um, Ian, we're going back to this uh, over and over again about uh, Texas and what they can and can't do uh, and what realistic expectations are. Um, Texas able to move the ball on the ground early. Would that surprise you? Uh, no, not really. I, I don't know that um, – to me, this Alabama defense – I, I agree that they are special and they are elite, but they just don't look the way that Alabama defenses used to look. They're smaller. They're running a two, four, five. Their linebackers are a little smaller. Uh, you know, T.O., that guy, and uh, Moody. Two, two. Two, that's two, it. Two, I think is his name. Two, yeah. okay. Uh, that guy, they're, they're not like um, – you know, the 240, 250 pound inside linebackers they used to have. They have like a massive nose tackle on their bench, but their starting defensive tackles that they roll through are not huge monstrous guys like you'd see it like Georgia or you would see it Alabama back when Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator. They're athletic. They're extremely experienced. They're very fast. It's just sort of a different unit. So, I mean, they, I mean, they still might stuff Texas's run game. Don't get me wrong. But, um, I don't know. I think there's a chance that they could run the ball. You know, Bijan Robinson too. You block a you block a play half decently, and then Bijan Robinson can do the rest. So, uh, I, I I'm not saying count on it, but um, 
I do think it can be there. It, it's really hard to contain Bijan for a full game, you know? Like, he could no, get I, 100 yards and they could still only score 10, but he might still eat. I was talking to somebody close to the program. One of the problems that, that they saw uh, with the Texas offense on Saturday night was something that they didn't expect. There weren't a lot of explosive plays from the Texas offense. Now, granted, ULM was playing with a safety back every single play, making sure that there wasn't one, and Texas pretty much got whatever they wanted in the, the second and third quarters because of that. Uh, but, you know, if you're Alabama, do you play the same way maybe um, and just try to make Texas move the ball down the field and, uh, you know, let your guys do the work? Because if Texas can't score via the big play, that that makes it more of a consistency aspect that they have to that they have to get get done, Justin. Yeah, you know, you always want to see the big play. And Quinn Ewers has the big arm. And so they kind of go together. And and I think you're going to see many, many big plays in the future of this offense for the next you know few seasons with Ewers at the helm. But I said this, I think you and I talked about this Sunday morning in our in our reactions, which are outstanding videos. You got to check, you know, on, on Texas football. Please subscribe and like and also check it out at InsideTexas.com for all your content needs. I, I think what you're going to see <laughs> is that Isaiah Nayor, this was his game. This was the guy you got to compete with Alabama because Nayor was the guy that you can get vertical. You can go over the top and he can high point and he can he can really you know dominate on that end. And so if Nayor was playing last Saturday, I, I think you see some explosive plays. I think you see a few big plays. But with Alabama, it's going to be hard to manufacture those when you're kind of focused on being smart with the ball, when you're kind of focused on giving what they give you. I think that's been mentioned in the room a few times this week by the coaches. Give them what they get. Those take the yards they give you. Give them what, you know, take what they're going to give you. Live to fight another day. You know, hold, that way you can hold the ball, hold the tempo, you know, hold the pace. So, again, I don't see many big plays on offense just because of who they're playing this week. Quinn Ewers is going to have a ton this season and in the next season. He's he, he's going to have a ton. But this year <laughs> – I see. But this year, it's it, you know, th this week it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. If there's a big play, I think it's Bijan breaking a few tackles and, and leaving and leaving the secondary. But all right, we got yeah, to shift to this. Yeah, this is great. Um, I don't know if you guys remember last week, but Mr. Sorrell came on during the chat and said that Barron was going to have two sacks and lead the team in sacks. When we were talking about who is going to lead the team in sacks. Well, guess who happened to lead the team in sacks like last week? Uh, Baron Sorrell, sophomore uh, young man out of New Orleans, uh, you know, family member here uh, in the chat with us today. Congratulations uh, to Baron. First of all, uh, he played terrific. I think a lot of Texas fans uh, were extremely excited about that. That this actually segues nicely into what I wanted to talk about next. And Ian, if there is a weakness on this Alabama team, it's considered their offensive line. Um, Texas, if there is a strength on the defensive side of the ball, it's considered the defensive front, uh, particularly the depth they have at defensive tackle. Um, can that, how does that affect the game if they get it into a tight game going into the second half? Because look, Bryce Young's going to, going to be, they're going to put it on his, his right arm. Uh, but at ultimately push comes to shove in the second half, they're going to have to run if they want to 
beat the clock down and beat Texas, right? So, you know, how does that all play in? Is the best uh, is that the best advantage in general possibly for Texas against uh, Alabama? It's hard to say, it's hard to not to say their best advantage is you know like Bijan Robinson, Jatavian Sanders, Xavier Worthy, but um, I, I I think Sorrell's breakout week one performance you know albeit against ULM and they only gave him one and a half sacks so uh, I don't know yeah, what split one with Ojomo yeah yep. um, but we're not counting that he would have had it if Ojomo was there or not though so I, I say we count it. Um, <laughs> I think I think that like one of one of the narratives that could come out after this game if, if Texas beats Alabama or plays Alabama well would be that Alabama's offensive line had trouble, right? I think um, so. I was saying that the emergence of Sorrell is huge because I think Alabama's offensive tackles are a potential weak spot. It's not a weak spot that Texas was necessarily going to be able to bank on exploiting because it was well, it was like well, who's going to do it, right? who's even the starting edge for Texas, much less are they the kind of guy that can give an Alabama tackle trouble. So there's, I'd say there's a chance there with Sorrell in particular, maybe overshown if he's not spying. Um, I'd say there's also a chance there with the, the blitz package. Um, how about Jalen Gilbo on some of those nickel blitzes? How about Ryan Watts on the boundary corner blitz? Or, boundary, or uh, Ryan Watts showing the boundary corner blitz and then dropping it into coverage like a linebacker? And they've got some versatile um, blitz package stuff in this team. Very Kwiatkowski-esque, by the way. That's not the Patterson influence. And uh, I don't know. Maybe they can give – maybe they can cross some wires. Maybe they can give Alabama some trouble with their line this week with either uh, guys coming free off the edge, guys beating a tackle that wasn't ready, or maybe uh, crossing guys up inside with their defensive tackles, you know. So – We'll see. We'll see. I'd say that that's one of the potential spots that we, we got to see improve it, but look out for it. You're watching the uh, On Texas Football live stream, Longhorn live stream, uh, with Inside Texas's Justin Wells and uh, Ian Boyd. I want to take this next question um, because I think that uh, some people feel like we have a defeatist attitude, right? I think that's the, it's not so much being pessimistic as it is defeatist. And I don't have a defeatist attitude. I just think that Alabama's loaded for bear. That's that's my opinion. I think this is the most talented team Texas is going to play uh, or has played in the last 30 years. Uh, and I know LSU had a great team a couple of years back early in the season. I know that um, – and so they weren't quite as experienced as this Alabama team. I know that uh, they played the USC in the national championship. That's probably the last time I think they played a team this talented. Uh, Alabama has uh, around 15 guys on in their defensive two deep that will be drafted. That's not a that's not a hey that's an out, outlandish statement. Texas had no one drafted on either side of the ball last year. Um, so I'm not trying to be uh, a defeatist. I, I'm just trying to be a realist in that. Look, I don't think people realize just how good Alabama and how talented they are. I do believe at the same time that Texas is on the upswing and that a lot of these guys that we're pointing to, whether it's Ewers or Gilbo or Worthy or, or Sorrell, they're freshmen and sophomores. Um, you know, what, what, what do you make of that uh, as a group? And also take this one on, Ian. Uh, we've seen a few Bama defenses get shredded. What were those teams taking advantage of and how can Texas take from that? 
Because that's, that's a great question, Jay. Historically, uh, the upset over Alabama looks like spread offense. Quarterback makes some plays in the passing game, wear them down a little bit, and uh, beat them on third down. You know, like, I mean, we've seen it a lot of times. I think we would have seen it before the Saban machine even got going if Colt McCoy hadn't been hurt. We saw it a little bit from Garrett Gilbert once the Mac took the governor off the offense in the second half. Uh, we saw it, you know, when Utah beat Alabama. We saw it when uh, Cam Newton beat Alabama. We saw it when Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Menzel. Ole Miss would give them trouble the same way. It's the same script every time. Now, Alabama's defense is different. Like I said, they don't play the big, massive people inside like they used to. They're faster. They're more versatile. But um, that's that's typically the way you would do it. That's the way Texas hung in against 2019 LSU, which, by the way, I think would smoke this Alabama team, Bobby. Um, Bobby. Late in the year, yes. Not early. I, I wish we could that play LSU that LSU team was stacked. I wish we could play that out. But, um, you know, your NFL guys get tired too when it's 100 degrees and they got to defend 80 snaps. That's the way you do it. You hang around. You you increase the variance. Like uh, any Houston fans here, the, the way the Houston Rockets used to try to beat the Golden State Warriors, they would just go down the court and start jacking threes. Like as soon as they got down the court, we're going to make as many possessions as we can. We're going to keep jacking threes and hope we, we make enough of them to, to you know keep us in the game. And then maybe they wear down at the end. They don't have any depth because they're paying Kevin Durant too much money, right? So um, that's that's the – that's typically the way you do it. That's not how Georgia did it per se, but Texas isn't Georgia. So hey, you bring something up good here. The weather. Yeah. Okay. Um, the weather tomorrow at kick, 11 a.m. kick on Fox. Uh, it's the college day, game day, the big Fox noon kickoff show. They're all uh, in Austin tomorrow for this. Weather at kickoff tomorrow right now is 85 degrees and sunny. Oh. Supposed, supposed to, so that's at kickoff. Supposed to end up ninety, uh, I think uh, ninety four, okay, uh, and funny. so on the on the on the field it'll be in excess of a hundred um, by good. second half for sure. Uh, but keep in mind that that that's a little less than maybe what a lot of people thought it would be at the outset, right? Because when we were talking about this game back in the summer, we were thinking a hundred sweltering heat, Austin, Texas, eleven a.m. Because we've all been there, uh, but it actually is a little bit cooler than maybe uh, expected for that game. Uh, Bobby, just, did you see? Did you see what Jace McClellan said about the weather? He said it's hotter in Alabama anyway. And then they went through the the weather reports, and it's like, nah, bro, <laughs> <laughs> this is like record heat in Austin. Try again. <laughs> well, but even the even you you don't get used to that heat. If you have defensive you linemen, acclimated to it. No, but if you have defensive linemen that have to play oh, 70, no. 80 slides. It does not matter how acclimated they are. It does not matter how much pickle juice they drank. Their legs go. And then you you get time. So, I mean, Alabama's got depth. They're not impervious. They're not a, you know, it's, it's not a guarantee way to, but this is the way to do it, right? This is a way that you erase some of that talent gap. Yeah. Yep. I want to say this. So all those receivers they had and Burrow on top of that, offensively, I don't disagree. Right. It's not that it's this. I mean, this defense has at least two top five picks. Um, half of them were offense. I, I, oh, I look, I could end up being wrong. It's the way I feel. 
I, I feel like this one, I also feel like Texas also had a, uh, returning quarterback, uh, <laughs> starting quarterback, and all this other stuff. So. Direct hate mail. <laughs> Matt's going to get me. I literally think that I'm going to get. I'm going to get hate mail from Texas fans. It's uh, you know, all I've done is tried to cover Texas my entire life. But hey, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, another question for you, okay? And this is goes for everybody around here. Um, you know, does Bijan Robinson? I've compared this a little bit to Texas going out to UCLA uh, in Max Furtshear with Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams goes out there, plays well. Texas plays well late. Outscores, even though they lose by, I think, 20-plus, Texas outscores the Bruin 21-7 in the the fourth quarter. Is that that kind of what we – one of the things we could hope for uh, in in this Texas game? I know I'm not trying to be defeatist, but – what are y'all wanting to see more than anything, more than the final score? What are you wanting to see out of this Texas team, Justin? I, I, I love I love that comparison. I remember that game really well. I can't remember, was it Richard Walton that broke his hand in the first half of that game or the yep. second half of the game before? But that's that when game. Major Applewhite came in. And, and actually, they looked pretty good in the second half. And if you can remember, I believe that was also the year – um, UCLA was number one or number two all the way up to the last weekend of the season. And then remember when all the top schools all lost at once, I think UCLA lost uh, in Miami uh, th- at the end of that year. But that's a good, that's a great comparison because that UCLA team was was strong, obviously not as strong as Alabama, but they were really good. They had, they had some NFL talent and Texas took that punch in the first half. They took a lot of punches in the first half in the second half is when they kind of started to assert themselves. And maybe because UCLA backed off a little bit, but Ricky Williams didn't have a bad game, and Texas in the second half actually looked really good. That, to me, would be a great outcome. You take those those, those haymakers because Bama's going to throw hands. This is a fist fight. That's what they do. You take those haymakers, and then you make sure your guys are still focused and dialed in and say, look, we just got our butt kicked in the first half. Let's win the second half. And I think Sark kind of preaches that sort of mentality, like, hey, next play up, next man up. Don't worry about what the last play did, big or bad. Worry about the next one. And if this team can actually put some points in the second half and make it closer and give the fans something to cheer about, to me, you know, besides the fact of upsetting Alabama, I think that's the biggest takeaway because that gives those guys confidence Yes, you lost to the number one team in the country, but you also hung with them at, at different times. You found things that you were good at that you can maximize for the rest of the season. To me, that's a huge confidence builder. To me, that would be uh, the best takeaway. Ian, what do you what do you want to take away from this game? You know, I don't know that it really matters. I think I'm with you, Bobby. I, I see a path for Texas to be competitive in this game, but if they get blown out, I don't really care. You know, I think a for their even for their season, what it means for their season, I don't think it necessarily matters that much. Like if they get blown out because Quinn Ewers gets rattled and throws four picks, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't compete in the Big 12. It just means, you know, we better see some growth for UTSA. I think UTSA, um, I mean, if they win this game, who even cares what happens against, against UTSA, right? But <laughs> what happens against UTSA almost matters more than this game. That's the better test of, how do you respond after whatever happens in this game? And and uh, probably a better facsimile for what they'll face from Big 12 teams, honestly. But um, I, I, in general, I'd say a cover is a is a good sign. A late cover, like you're describing against UCLA, 
you know, wear them down and get, get your points late when maybe they lose a little focus and, and start to lose their legs. I, to me, that would be not a bad outcome, honestly. Hey, this one, this one's one I want to see too. And, oh, and I yeah. think last year, Horn's not good in the second half, particularly not good in the third quarter, right? Um, how about some improvement in that period of time? You know, against a real team, right? Yeah. Um, against ULM, they came out and scored touchdowns on the first two offensive possessions. They look better in the second half. Yes, they they look like they got some got some under the non Casey Thompson factor. Yeah, I what? Hey, come on now, um, don't kick a man while he's down, Justin. That's that's that's. Hey, I'm I'm learning from Bobby. I'm a realist. I'm just a realist. That's what I'm learning from the man. (laughs) My my point my point to you though is if if we can see Texas starting to improve and uh, being more consistent over the term of an entire game, even in the face of possibly being punched in the mouth, right? And then see some of that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that period. That is growth. So, uh, and, and that's what Texas is going to need to end up being a big, tw- end up being in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, as far as that UCLA piece uh, that we talked about, this is what I was, I mean, B. John Rob- Robinson is still going to be in this Heisman ch- chase until he's not. A, Ricky Williams did not have a great game at UCLA. He had a good game. He showed well. He made a couple of big plays. Um, but if Texas is going to end up, this guy's going to be end up being in the Heisman race. Bijan's going to have to do something uh, this week. Um, Ian uh, Xavier Worthy uh, did. <laughs> I'm riding with Ian again this week. I I agree. Let's all ride with Ian to 34-27. Except let's let's have Texas win instead of Alabama win. At 34-27. And then and then I'm gonna make then Justin's gonna have to shave his head. How about that? And Ian's gonna have to to grow his hair long, I think. Right? If Texas beats Alabama, I have to shave my head and hair and Ian's gonna grow his out. <laughs> if you'll put a dollar amount on that, I'm in. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but but what I was gonna say um to that to all of this really is um as we're looking at this season, uh, Texas has got to uh, come up with a way to get through this game and then get on into uh, not only to US, UTSA next week, but into uh, Big 12 play. Uh, they want to do it with all their guys still healthy. Uh, they want to do it uh, in a way that is positive for the uh, uh, fan base in general. And that's certainly what I think everyone is hoping for. Uh, you know, let me ask. Let me ask you this. Um, and more than anything, uh, I guess what what I want to see is Texas is in a situation right now where their best, not their best players, because um, obviously Bijan's the best player, but Ewers, Worthy, guys like Ethan Burke, Gilbo, Baron Sorrell, all those guys that flashed. Other than Bijan last week, I think were seniors, right? Or were we're freshman or sophomore, Kelvin Banks starting. Um, how much does a game like this mean to those young players to see what it's like to play against legit top-tier competition, a team that has national championship aspirations? Ian or Justin, either one of you guys want to take that? Just, Justin will like this one. This game reminds me a little of um, 
I was actually there in South Bend when Texas went up there in 2015. Uh, Justin was there too. And um, I don't know exactly what the game meant for Brecken Hager or Chris Boyd or some of those younger guys that Charlie had brought in. But they showed some dog in that game, even down late in the contest, that bore out in their careers at Texas. So I don't know. I don't know if this. I don't know exactly what to say in terms of what this game will mean to some of these freshman guys. But I think uh, Texas fans will be able to see something real or not in these freshmen by how they approach this game and whether they seem intimidated or whether they look like you know they're ready to throw down. Hager and Boyd were ready to throw down. They were like incurring penalties, you know. Uh, Hager got in a fight. Yeah, yeah. Those are good signs. <laughs> Breaking Hager got in a fight. I, I want to top what Ian, you know, it, that's a great example, Ian. You know, that it really did kind of show, uh, you know, kind of what uh, what was go- we were going to see, you know, down the road for, from some of those guys. Um, but, the, you know, the freshmen, it, it's one of the reasons they came to Texas is to play in games like this. And that's what they're going to think. And here, here's one really interesting nugget, you know, just just clo- for guys close to the program. This group is confident going into this game. And I'm not saying they're confident they're going to win, blow out any of that silliness, but they feel like all the pressure's on Alabama because this is a young team for Texas. This is a team that's not expected to, to be within three touchdowns of Alabama. It, it, it's, it's unique that Sark is kind of using this as a motivational tool. Look, guys, it's us against the world, and we've got all of our fans here backing us up. Freshmen don't know the magnitude of things often like juniors and seniors do that have been there. They don't have, you know, PTSD from the past games, you know, kind of like, you know, when you bring up the Notre Dame game with some of those uh, juniors and seniors. And so I think what they don't know won't hurt them. They'll go into it with a with a mind. This is a mindset of they're not five and seven. That, that, that is what they have told each other from since January. And they want to prove that. And so it, it's an interesting anecdote that this bunch is confident, you know, not like, a, like I said, not that they're going to come in and, and whoop Alabama's behind, but at the fact that, you know, why crown them? Let them get throwing some punches. Let them get some shots. Sometimes being a freshman works in that manner because they don't know what they don't know. All right. I want to go to you immediately with this, Justin. Um, you're the guy here. Uh, and Ian, you got to get your your answer ready too, and I'm going to answer it as well. And I want to hear also uh, from the fans on the chat and see what they think as well. Um, give me your projected offensive and defensive players of the game for the Longhorns this weekend, and why? And why? Am I first or is Ian first? Go go for it, Justin. You okay? Offensive players. Um, I think. I think Bijan's going to be a factor, obviously. I see him going for about 150 yards, but I think it's going to be split. I think he'll rush for 80 or 90. I think he'll catch enough for 60 or 70 yards. I think it's going to be a balance because they're going to move him around and, and try to, to find mismatches for him. Uh, to me, the most important offensive guys are going to be Kelvin Banks and Jatavian Sanders. You know what Worthy can do. You know what Whittington can do. You know what Rashawn Johnson, Keelan, Bijan can do. Those two, you know, a fresh, true freshman and a, and, a, and a redshirt freshman, those two guys, to me, if those guys step up like they did last week and shown how much they not only belong, but it kind of accelerated their development. They, they, they look, that offensive line played a clean game, guys. And with a young offensive line, that is rare. 
And so to me, the, the, the big offensive projections are going to be Kelvin Banks holding his own, and it's going to be Jatavian Sanders to be able to be that safety valve for, for Quinn Ewers. Sanders might be Ewers' best friend this year. This might be the guy that, that you know, it, it, for Vince Young's David Thomas, for Colt McCoy's, you know, Jermichael Finley and, and, and Jordan Shipley when they moved him into, tight, you know, in that inside tight end spot against 2008 Oklahoma. You know, I, I think Banks and Sanders are guys, we know what those other guys can do. If Banks and Sanders play another big game, great game like they did last week, to me, that is as good as you can ask for because that's the guys you're going to be relying on this year, next year, and the next for when you want to win the conference, for when you do go into the SEC, you want to be prepared. Uh, Justin, what, what, what are you going to say? All right, not Justin, Ian, I'm sorry. What do you, what do you say to this? Uh, I feel like I regrettably haven't written about it a ton, but Jatavian Sanders, I think, has a chance to really kind of flip this game around. I don't know. He's like the one guy that I don't know if Alabama has necessarily a great answer for or if they'll be really prepared for what he could bring to the table. He was really a revelation in week one. And uh, I know it's just ULM, but he's a five-star guy. He's a, he's a different sort of dude. There's not a lot of guys like him in the college game. Texas hasn't had a guy like this since Jermichael Finley, probably, right? Maybe Blaine Irby before the Rice helmet. I'd say Irby before the injury. Yeah. And I don't know about Irby either, honestly. I don't know if he's really he like a good athlete, yeah. But um, so it, sh- it should be Bijan, maybe Sanders. If it's worthy, that's a great sign. Uh, but I'm a little gun-shy because of uh, how hard it was for them to connect in ULM. On defense, I you know, Overshone is the guy that's often set up to, to kind of play cleanup. So he tends to have the sort of uh, numbers, you know, the, the MVP kind of numbers. But for actual impact, I, I think it may be actually uh, one of the defensive backs. Uh, maybe Jaron Thompson. Maybe I mean, somebody put Anthony Cook in the comments. I actually think that's not a terrible – it's not a terrible guess. I, it, one, one, of the, one of the upset scenarios would be something like uh, Gary Patterson – taught safety jumps a route by uh, Bryce Young in the middle of the field and spooks him and, and, and returns it, you know, maybe for a touchdown, maybe not if it's in the middle of the field. Anthony Cook's in the wide side of the field. If he, if he comes downhill and picks off a pass and starts, you know, having an impact in that way, that, that'd be a good, that'd be a good one. I, I want to add this real quick too on the defensive side. Don't forget who was the other school that really, really wanted Jalen Gilbo doing his recruitment? TCU. Gary Patterson loved Gilbo. And so, it, you know, it kind of echoes what Ian had said. There's some some of that influence from Patterson that you're seeing from week to week. And I think Gilbo could be a, a major factor just because he does a lot of what Patterson loved. And he's already, you know, pushing Jade Barron behind, who is one of the best cover guys in the program. And so I wanted to add that note on Gilbo. Hey, hey, you're not wrong on Gilbo. One of the things, talking to Rod Babers, who's a former NFL DB, he knows a little bit about what it takes, right? You know what he, he said that that uh, Gilbo is in, in comparison to some other guys that are his age? Decisive. He's not necessarily faster. He's not necessarily stronger, longer armed. He's just decisive. You know, when he sees it, he goes. Um, and maybe he sees it a little bit uh, or anticipates it a little bit better. 
uh, or whatnot. I want to give you all my my takes, but first uh, on that subject of who will be the the uh, uh, first and second uh, or the offensive and defensive MVPs. But first, I want to talk about Andy Ludicky, uh, our sponsor for these live streams. Really helped us out. We have a producer for these shows uh, to make sure we get y'all's uh, comments up in them, uh, and they're able to get both Justin, uh, myself, and Ian on at the same time. And Andy makes that possible. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or schedule or your schedule in general, call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Okay, guys, offensive player of the game, I'm going with B. John Robinson. I think it has to be Bijan uh, in the passing game as much as in the running game. If, if Texas is going to have a shot here and play uh, with the Crimson Tide, Bijan has to be it uh, because he's the one that's the great player on offense. I think he's a great player, and great players have to be, be great against great teams. On defense, I'm going a little bit separate from you guys. Um, one of the ways I see a path for Texas not only competing but potentially winning the game is through interior pass rush pressure yeah. uh, on on Alabama and making um, making Bryce Young split the field in half by pushing it up the middle. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going with Byron Murphy. I, I think he's the defense's best overall player at this point, uh, even though you know he doesn't necessarily get all those stats. Um, and so if they can, if he can help split the ha- the field in two, that makes Texas. Uh, a little bit more difficult to deal with in that quarter's coverage, right? It, it brings a little bit different uh, uh, sign to the game. We'll see if we can get that, if if uh, he can get that done. Uh, I'm going to add this, and I think this is interesting. Ian, you did a lot of pregame stuff on this. That's your job at, at, at Inside Texas. You give us kind of the ins and outs looks of what, what you think a game might look at, not only by looking at uh, self-scouting Texas, but also looking ahead to the opponent. You know, we haven't talked about Jordan Whittington almost one lick this entire pro this entire program. Why is that? Well, probably partly because they didn't throw it at him last last game, and it wasn't because he wasn't open. I'll tell you that he had a really nice third and five grab. He made a move on a screen. This is uh, if Texas is like we're just gonna the way we play this game is we're gonna have to spread the ball out, get the ball out quick. Then this is absolutely a Jordan Whittington game. You know. Like in 2019, when Texas hung with LSU, they'd flip it out to Devin Duvernay, and he was running people over. And Whittington is that kind of guy. He's a big, physical player. Absolutely gives you a chance to get some yards after catch on the little quick throws. So we haven't talked about him. I mean, there's a lot to talk about is why. Jordan Whittington is, could be very, very decisive player in this game. All right, Ian. Mr. Sorrell's asking, who did who did Ian pick pick for defensive MVP? I picked Baron Sorrell, of course. <laughs> Mr. Sorrell. No, he didn't. I did. I picked him. Ian picked somebody else. Don't get I it picked, twisted. I picked Gilbo Sackville Baggins, I think. Or no, I picked Anthony I picked Anthony Cook, actually. I don't even know. I, I, one of the one of the things that we all noticed uh, and talked about post-game, uh, Jalen Ford did not have any, did not record a tackle last week. Uh, starting at Mike linebacker, you know, Justin, your, your thoughts on that and what they need out of him this week. I think a lot of that was because they were getting pressure up the middle by the defensive line. They, they, 
Ford, it wasn't that he didn't, you know, play well or anything like that. It just, he, he did his job and, and, and basically pushed everything outside with that pass rush that comes up the middle from the defensive front. Um, you know, I saw somewhere on Twitter that, uh, you know, some other sites had, had graded him really low, you know, gave him some really low grades. I, I thought that was unfair. Um, he, he played well. He did what he needed to do. The big thing with, with an inside linebacker also is you don't talk, if you're not talking about him, that's not a bad thing. If you're getting gashed up the middle, that is a bad thing. And so that comment, but they weren't, it was, it, the scheme was basically played around to where Ford just had to, you know, keep his gap control, keep his, keep everything in front of him. And he did that. And, and don't expect, you know, Jalen had a great spring, hard, worked hard in the summer, had a really good a fall camp. But remember, he's still, I believe, what, a red shirt sophomore. This is a guy that's just now getting the responsibility of playing that inside linebacker spot and, and with, with, with him and Benda. And so and then also DeMonte Tucker Dorsey. He's got a, a really smart guy that, that's right there beside him that's trying to help him out. And so uh, I thought it was good for, for Ford that we didn't hear him much because that means they weren't getting gashed up the middle. That means he wasn't missing tackles. He was doing what the, the, the scheme pushed and that was that defensive front coming up the middle and him making sure everything stays on the outside and when you have a guy like Baron Sorrell holding the edge and even an Ethan Burke coming off from the other side uh, I I think that helps Jalen Ford you'll see more Ford will be more active in this game because they're going to run the ball between the tackles Gibbs and Jamari and Miller and Jason McClellan those are tack off tackle in tackle inside type of running backs you're going to see that and so Jalen Ford's going to have his uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him on Saturday yeah, he, he he had he was in on a couple of tackles, but bounced off of them. I think he was credited for two missed tackles. But to your point, Justin, Texas was not gashed at all in the run game last week until the fourth quarter uh, when, when, when they he had wasn't the on the field. Yes, exactly. So, and, and I agree with you. Um, part of it is filling the hole, right? I mean, yeah, you got to get them to the ground, but part of them is to push them somewhere else. And I don't think Texas missed run assignments last week at all except for maybe Ovia Gufu overran one when he should have stayed flat against a, a couple of zone reads in a row so I'll give you the best example was the Thursday game before the the Texas ULM game last last night uh, last weekend with um, Oklahoma State and Central Michigan we saw their inside lock and inside linebacker play exposed if we would have seen that on Saturday that would have been a problem that's something that we would have discussed this week with Jalen Ford because Xavier Benson would take one step off of his gap or two steps to the right and immediately be out of a play. Jalen Ford never put the defense in that position, and he deserves credit for that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, and we saw what happened to Oklahoma State against the run because that, that's yeah. the difference between having a Malcolm Rodriguez, right, that they had last like you year. said, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and so, hey, last one I want to do because we've been over an hour now, but I think it's been a really good live stream, guys. I think that – uh, we've got a lot of great participation for the fan, from the fans. Thank you all very much. Uh, Justin Wells and Ian Boyd, both of Inside Texas, joining us. Um, surprises for this game that you think we might see. Uh, Justin, you want to go with a surprise first? I think you're going to see a special teams touchdown. I Which don't way? know. Which way? For Texas. <laughs> for Texas. Oh, I think you're going to see a, And I don't know if it's going to be a punt block or if it's going to be a punt return. But. Last week, we saw some really good coaching on the punt return side. When Xavier Worthy housed, almost housed a punt, he came up on the, the right side of the – or the, the field side of the of – the, on that side of the field. Nobody 
pushed and blocked in the back. Michael Taft and Jalen Gilbo and, the, and John A. Bear, those guys did a great job of just walling people. And so, to me, Worthy just needs a crease. So if there's going to be one surprise, it's going to be another block punt or it's going to be an Xavier Worthy or, or somebody housing one. Or maybe a Brennan Thompson goes back there in the third quarter and no one's paying attention and that 10-2, 10-3, 100 speed pays off. So if I'm if there's a surprise for me, I'm going to say special teams. I mean, there's going to be a special teams touchdown for Texas. I just feel it in my Jeff Banks bones. <laughs> I would I would immediately if I knew that to be the case, I would immediately change my score prediction. How does that how does that 52 to 14? <laughs> <laughs> Ian, who do, what do you got as a as a uh, as a uh, surprise for this game? I think uh, I think Sarkeesian will have some 21 personnel tricks up his sleeve. Yep. Different stuff to get Bijan free, get him matched up on linebackers, create quick, easy throws to the flat for Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, man, some of those throws he had on those little screens. You know, the bubble screen is not considered a tough throw, but sometimes it looks different with some guys throwing it than others, you know? So, um, yeah, I think they'll shenanigans galore from from Sark to try to to get guys free in space. Yep. I can't. So you're you're basically going a scheme surprise. Uh, Justin Justin uh, chose a punt return touchdown. I, I'm going to go uh, maybe with one that uh, we didn't see, and that's a somebody mentioned it on the chat, and I've been thinking about it, and that's Rashawn Johnson in the Wildcat a little bit. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. see if let's see if they use that along with Andre Kerich at tight end, maybe even somebody else even bigger in the backfield along with them as a as a jumbo set. I've heard, I've heard that they've worked on the jumbo set in the backfield uh, yeah. in the off season. Now would be a big time to use it because frankly, uh, Bama's got some big old boys uh, they did that, it. that are come calling. They did it once on Baylor with, uh, I believe they had Byron Murphy and, uh, and I can't remember who the other guy was at fullback. Coburn, I think. I think it might've been. And uh, Baylor was just like, yeah, you, you got this one. <laughs> it reminded me when Roy Miller used to do that. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, special thanks again to Andy Ludicky at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, very uh, thankful for him and his sponsorship. Uh, he is a, a big part of what we're able to do here. Uh, Matt Hutchison is our uh, producer and, and able to get us in and out of these things as well. Uh, also special thanks to Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, and thank you to all of you guys uh, that showed up here today. I wish we could go another hour because I think we'd have another hour to talk. Please come join us on InsideTexas.com. Uh, we'll be over there uh, talking about the Longhorns. Uh, but uh, until tomorrow, 11 a.m. kickoff, uh, Texas uh, goes up against uh, number one ranked Alabama. Uh, Bryce Young, Heisman winner, comes to town. Uh, it, for the postgame, Rod Babers and I will be uh, in postgame live immediately following uh, the game, uh, talking about the Longhorns for – at least an hour or so, uh, giving you guys your thoughts. Tommy Yarish will be on site uh, talking us through some things, giving us some uh, feeling there from the uh, stadium as well. Uh, but from all of us at On Texas Football and Inside Texas, we appreciate you guys. Uh, good luck tomorrow. If you're traveling to the game, be safe, uh, and we'll see you, see you again soon. Thanks. <laughs>